Blog Talk Radio. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Finally, there is a great tradition of warnings in presidential farewells. And I've got one that's been on my mind for some time. 
But oddly enough, it starts with one of the things I'm proudest of in the past eight years, the resurgence of national pride that I called the new patriotism. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much, and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? Those of us who are over 35 or so years of age grew up in a different America. We were taught very directly what it means to be an American. And we absorbed almost in the air a love of country and an appreciation of its institutions. If you didn't get these things from your family, you got them from the neighborhood, from the father down the street who fought in Korea, or the family who lost someone at Anzio. Or you could get a sense of patriotism from school. And if all else failed, you could get a sense of patriotism from the popular culture. The movies celebrated democratic values and implicitly reinforced the idea that America was special. TV was like that, too, through the mid-60s. But now we're about to enter the 90s, and some things have changed. Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. And as for those who create the popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't re-institutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs production. So we've got to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here, who Jimmy Doolittle was, and what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. You know, four years ago, on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, I read a letter from a young woman writing to her late father, who had fought on Omaha Beach. Her name was Lisa Zanata Hen, and she said, We will always remember, we will never forget what the boys of Normandy did. Well, let's help her keep her word. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of that, of the American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. Let's start with some basics. More attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civic ritual. And let me offer lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tomorrow night in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and nail them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. And that's about all I have to say tonight, except for one thing. The past few days when I've been at that window upstairs, I've thought a bit of the shining city upon a hill. The phrase comes from John Winthrop, who wrote it to describe the America he imagined. What he imagined was important because he was an early pilgrim, an early freedom man. He journeyed here on what today we call a little wooden boat. And like the other pilgrims, he was looking for a home that would be free. I've spoken of the shining city all my political life, but I don't know if I ever quite communicated what I saw when I said it. 
But in my mind, it was a tall, proud city built on rocks stronger than oceans, windswept, God-blessed, and teeming with people of all kinds living in harmony and peace. A city with free ports that hummed with commerce and creativity. And if there had to be city walls, the walls had doors, and the doors were open to anyone with the will and the heart to get here. That's how I saw it and see it still. And how stands the city on this winter night? More prosperous, more secure, and happier than it was eight years ago. But more than that, after 200 years, two centuries, she still stands strong and true on the granite ridge, and her glow is held steady no matter what storm. And she's still a beacon, still a magnet for all who must have freedom, for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurtling through the darkness toward home. We've done our part, and as I walk off into the city streets, a final word to the men and women of the Reagan Revolution, the men and women across America who for eight years did the work that brought America back. My friends, we did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad. Not bad at all. And so, goodbye. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. All right. Welcome, folks, to the um, to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date, April 19th. 2012, beautiful Old Town Alexandria is where I am. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. You know, when I was a kid, young, 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 young man, um, you know, we we came from a uh, upper middle class family, and um, and uh, I used to uh, sit in front of the te- television and uh, weeknights, and after my homework was done, and I'd watch. Um, the shows like Dallas and Dynasty and the Colbys, Knott's Landing. Shows where families were prosperous and even downright filthy rich. And uh, I'd sit and watch these programs and I'd say, I, I want to have that kind of stuff. I want to live that kind of uh, of American life. My parents would walk by every now and then me and my sisters and my brother would be in front of the television and they I remember them saying to me almost subliminally you can have that you can have all of that but you've got to be willing to put in your time punch your tickets get the work done study hard get a good education, and then work very hard. Nothing will be handed to you, just like nothing is handed to you here in this house without some effort being put into gaining and earning what it is that uh, you, you desire. Meanwhile, I had friends whose family 
I remember telling them that uh, Whitey, Whitey's keeping you down. It's white folks' fault as to why the schools are so messed up. They're not putting enough money into the school system. It's white folks. You're not going to be a success unless you take what you want. Yeah, I remember. We were taught about patriotism in my household. Patriotism. What it means to be an American. What America is really all about. Now, mind you, I grew up during the tumultuous times of the 60s and 70s. But we were proud to be Americans. That's what Ronald Reagan was talking about. How many mothers, fathers, how many parents teach their children what it truly means to be an American these days, during these times? All too often, the fruits of the, the 70s have come, the, the, have come to, to ripen. We see the children of the 70s and 80s saying, America is a bad place. America has wronged a lot of people. America has caused a lot of turmoil. America has stolen. America has killed Indians, robbed them of their land. Pretty much the reason why the world is as bad off as it is today is because America is greedy imperialistic and simply just plain old bad some say the chickens have come home to roost because America is a horrible country to live in I hear it all all the time I often ask well if America is such a bad place why do you live here why are you here there are dozens of other countries you could live in but why are you here? If you don't like this country, you can either change it through the ballot box or leave. Patriotism is gone. And it's gone with Ronald Reagan. Because really, if Ronald Reagan did nothing else, he in Build in us a sense of patriotism. He played up America as if it were a member of his own family. I mean, he was so positive when it came to talking about America, American values, how great America is and was and can be and will be. Ronald Reagan instilled in us a sense of pride in this great nation. But look how far we've come. Our current president talks down. Says, lower your expectations. Don't have unrealistic expectations. 
uh, it goes around to country to country, bowing, scraping, bootlicking, and making excuses and disparaging his own country. Obama is as anti-Reagan as Jimmy Carter was. How how can we instill a sense of pride in our citizens when our own president doesn't believe in our exceptionalism and greatness? How? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I still believe we are the greatest country on the planet. A lot of people do. I wonder wonder how many of you do. We'll take a short break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about, well, what we're going to talk about. Why are gas prices going higher and higher? Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. Big Oil Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. Big Oil. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big Oil. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big Oil. Big Oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. When we do Internet Talk Radio, we receive support from a great many areas. We have listener support, of course, and some who help with the promoting. One group that often goes unrecognized are the wives of Internet Talk Radio hosts. They are the ones who tolerate our dalliances and the time we invest in our hobbies. Well, this is one way we can properly recognize those who are closest to us by broadcasting their sincere sentiments regarding our passions. I am going to stay up all night. You have family, you know. 
You're always at that computer. How much money do you make doing that dumbass radio show? You're not the only ones who live there, you know. You better come and eat. I'm not bringing it in there. I remember America. Sure, you can still find it on a map, but nobody older than 20 thinks this is America. Even if coordinates are the same, we've lost our compass. You don't have a direction without reference, a true north. For America, it was liberty. When we lost the love of liberty, our understanding of liberty, it was just a matter of time before the rest of it was lost. Some think it started when the auto companies were nationalized or the police state to control the internet, or when certain companies couldn't fail because their relationship with politicians made them too big to fail, and the rest of us, without political influence, were too small to succeed. Sure, that all happened pretty quickly. There were just a couple of years, but liberty had been gradually devolving for decades. Some of the more astute, like Ayn Rand, saw it about 50 years before others. She warned us, but people didn't believe it could happen here until it did. Laws had been used to loot productive individuals and businesses, but in the new millennium, under Bush, then Obama, graft, corruption, and crony capitalism were no longer hidden behind closed doors. The looters and their laws came out of hiding like rabid animals that were no longer afraid of humans. It was brought into the spotlight, and it was celebrated as enlightened economic policy. Ayn Rand asked the question, and Atlas shrugged, that the rest of us were asking 60 years later, which failing financial institution will the administration pluck from the flames of crisis? And which will it let roast? Which market or investment technique will the regulators bless? And which, in a capricious change of rules, will it condemn or outlaw? As John Galt said in his radio address, You decided you had a right to your wages, but we had no right to our profits. You called it selfish and cruel that men should trade value for value. But you've now established an unselfish society where they trade extortion for extortion. People who had never produced or managed anything tried to manage every aspect of our lives, and they brought production to a standstill. And eventually, they decided to micromanage the food supply in the name of fairness and safety. And we all know what happened then. Fiction can be a powerful influence, for good or bad. It's too bad more people didn't read Atlas Shrugged. They might have realized where this was heading. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, C. Robert Jones. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. You know, about uh, three weeks ago, President Obama launched an attack on the Supreme Court, on the Supreme Court justices, critical of the constitutionality of a 2,400-page health care bill passed exclusively by Democrats. And few, if any, of these Democrats actually read the bill in its entirety before voting for it. But the president nonetheless wonders how the Supreme Court justices and, quote, unelected, end quote, group of people might muster the termity to make such an unprecedented and extraordinary step as to, quote, overturn a duly 
constituted rule of law, end quote, passed by a majority of members of the House and Senate. I note in passing that the president ordered Holder's Justice Department to create its defense or rather cease its defense of the don't ask, don't tell law passed by a bipartisan Congress. The president, well, his legal theory forms no part of constitutional jurisprudence. He claims no less that the Supreme Court has no right or power to review the constitutionality of congressional legislation. Now, the president's theory is nowhere approved or mentioned in a single state, federal, or Supreme Court case. It's not once mentioned in the Federalist Papers. A publication explaining the founders' rationale for drafting a new constitution. And James Madison did not once mention the theory in notes taken at the Philadelphia Convention. It's not taught in any law school in the United States. It forms no part, whatever, of American or British jurisprudence. In fact, it's an invention, a legal fiction, and an assault on the Supreme Court's power of judicial review established by Supreme Court Justice John Marshall in Mayberry versus Madison. How do we begin? Well, first, the Supreme Court has been nullifying congressional legislation deemed unconstitutional for more than 200 years, Mr. Obama. Duh, Mr. Constitutional Law Professor. It's therefore boldly fallacious to suggest that, quote, unelected Supreme Court justices, end quote, are now embarking upon an, quote, unprecedented, end quote, usurpation of the Constitution. In fact, it's the people's constitutional right to challenge the constitutionality of congressional legislation. Mr. Law Professor, the Supreme Court, the highest authority on constitutional issues, is vested with the power and obligation to determine the constitutionality of legislation challenged by the people. Indeed, the Declaration of Independence expresses the first principles of natural law. Quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. End quote. This principle is ancient. Even in Caesar's Rome, the people's law, and in Great Britain, 
a common law derived from the ancient customs, traditions, and legal precedents of an English-speaking people in the Magna Carta Liberatum, the Great Charter of Liberty. The British nobility created the first enduring draft of the American Constitution. One cannot read the now ancient British Magna Carta without recalling the meter and power, the plain and enduring grace of the American Constitution's written word. That said, the President's criticism of the Supreme Court justices do not, does not, find support in the political doctrine of positivism. The positivist theory, which was developed in Germany following the First World War, holds that natural law or the rule of law simply does not exist. The idea that men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights is therefore patently absurd. Quote, in short, every single tenet of the traditional conception of the rule of law is representative or represented as a metaphysical superstition. The President of the United States stepped in it. He put his foot up his own ass once again. And he has proven that he doesn't have the brains God gave a goose. The man is as dumb as a box of rocks, an empty suit, and I am waiting for my Secret Service visit. For saying that Barack Hussein Obama is a moron. We have a call on the line. <clears throat> Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Well, th- hello? Yeah, hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, um, with all, and, you know, it's, I, of course it's been since uh, President Obama has been in office, all the the negative comments and the hate directed at this man. Mm-hmm. You got it, and, and with, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember the music artist's name who, who had the Secret Service visit, um, you guys need to have a sense of respect for the President of the United States of America. Some of these comments being made are just ridiculous. Okay. I mean, well, well hold on now. No, uh, but uh, let, me, no. let me say okay. one thing here. Sure. Don sure. Wayne, mm-hmm. very, very, very conservative, a Western actor. When President John F. Kennedy was elected, he's a Democrat, elected into office, John, or excuse me, uh, John Wayne said, I didn't vote for him, but he's my president, and I hope mm-hmm. he does well. Rush Limbaugh on the election of President Obama. I hope he fails. Yeah. So you have no respect for the President of the United States of America, is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to ask. Okay, let me answer. Um, first, first, before I answer that question outright, which I will, I will not duck it, let me ask you this. Did you feel the exact same way 
honestly now, did you feel the exact same way that you do that that you do at this moment when George Bush was being labeled dumb, when the fact that he was a C student was revealed, folks calling him stupid, dumb, can't speak the English language very well, uh, even Oliver Stone's movie depicting his assassination of a sitting president, she's never been done before. All the vitriolic words that were uttered toward George Bush during his eight years as president. Now, hold on now. I'm going to ask you. Did you feel the same way? Yes, I did. Okay. I probably should have rephrased uh, before you you, uh, asked that question. Mm -hmm. But first of all, you can't really make a comparison from the, the criticism Bush took to the Obama administration. It's the Obama administration and President Obama himself have taken so much more criticism and really? neglect and disrespect than President Bush. Absolutely. Absolutely. By whom? By, and now by to answer whom? your question and okay. now to answer your question, mm-hmm. I respect the President of the United States. I do not vote for George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. But he's my president he was my president. Mm-hmm. I disagreed with him completely for the most part. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason in any case, no matter what political party you are in America, to disrespect the commander-in-chief of the United States of America the way President Bush was neglected and the way President Obama is being neglected today. Mm-hmm. Here's, the, here's the difference, though. I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't mean to, you know, to split hairs here, but the difference is, uh, in my opinion, is that the president of the United States doesn't have the tools, in my mind, to be president other than the fact that the majority of people elected him to be president. And well, it, it, wait a president minute now. Bush. Well, no, no, no. He had all the tools. He was governor. Oh. He Wait a minute now. He was governor of the, the, the second largest state, Texas, for eight, what, eight years? He spent eight years as governor. He owned his own businesses. He is a graduate of um, uh, Harvard and and Yale. Uh, he it, at, at the very least he had his uh, MBA. Uh, Barack Obama uh, doesn't seem to have those credentials. But 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 I'm I'm getting away from your from from what you re- were really talking about. Um, the thing is, there needs to be also also put us in a, a massive debt. Uh, including a war that we did not to, need to uh, get involved with. Um, You're right. It, you know what? Let me let me let me respond to that. Because You're with President ab- Bush, well, wait a office, now. we had a surplus from from President Clinton. Wait a minute now. Let me answer that. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, President Bush put us in four trillion dollars worth of debt in eight years. Barack Obama put us in five trillion dollars of debt. Five five trillion dollars in debt. In less than four years. And, and let's remember that. And wait a minute now. Hold on. Hold on. Let's hold on. I want to. This man has tried to pass through uh-huh. the House of Representatives through Congress has not been passed. But what is that? But, but you, well, wait a minute now. You said that George Bush put us in a massive amount of debt. Four trillion dollars in eight years. Five trillion dollars in less than four. And do you want to know so, the reason for that? 
The reason for that is a massive amount of government spending and spending money we don't have for programs that he thinks are important like Solyndra and a whole host of other programs that have failed. And a massive stimulus that he signed into law as soon as he got into office, which has produced almost absolute, almost nothing. And wait a minute now. Before we go there, I want to agree with you about something. I don't – and I fought. I fought in the first Gulf War and the second and in Afghanistan, and I agree with you. There was no way we should have been involved in either of those places. I mean I think George Bush was completely wrong for getting us involved in 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 uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. So we agree on that. But Obama had the Senate and the Congress for almost 2 years and he passed only one thing of any significance and that was the health care law. So when you say that He's not able to pass anything because Congress is turning him away. He had everything. He had not only the presidency, not only the ability to, to enact – to affect signing statements and executive orders, but he had both Congress and Senate. And the only thing and, that he and focused when he on – during Congress that, and at the beginning of his first term, unemployment went down and the deficit started no, to – that, uh, No, that's not true. Come on. That now. is true, though. That is, you can ask the any, unemployment, any statistic. Unemployment the went up. That you guys cut down so much, boy. I, I don't see anything wrong with the stimulus because when I go drive around, I see plenty of road work being done, mm-hmm. and I wonder how much uh, or how many jobs uh, the, the stimulus package would have created. When you all look right. around, you go look around anywhere in the nation, and you see all kinds of road work and construction being done, and yet that hasn't produced any jobs. Let me answer your question about um, unemployment going down first. Um, it went up. Uh, from 7% during the last year of Bush's tenure to 9.8, was it? And then that and that was during the first. You need to stop getting your statistics from Fox News. No, no, no. Those are those are accurate statistics. Those are not my statistics. This is not something I made up, and it's not from Fox News. These are from the Bureau of Labor Labor and Statistics. Who runs that? The United States government. Come on. I mean, if we're going to have a conversation here, let's be accurate. I'd like to be yeah, accurate. I don't. I don't. I, I don't I, want to enjoy being accurate. All right, and I don't like to put out my opinion on on things like this. I'm I'm giving you absolute facts. So unemployment went up, and is just now coming down. And the only reason why the unemployment numbers are coming down, and you have to agree with this, you must, is that people have stopped looking for work. There are more than 22 million people out of work. And they can't collect unemployment benefits anymore because their benefits have run out. You just can't keep going back to the well. So now they're not even being counted. And that's the only so reason why the numbers the have come down. Plans, what's the Republicans' plans to uh, create jobs? Cut, uh, cut the corporate tax rate so the big uh, dogs on Wall Street and all the – I myself, I'm in the seven digits. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I pay hardly any taxes whatsoever. So taxing the or giving the corporations tax breaks mm-hmm. because they somehow think the rich create the jobs in America is complete BS and you know it. For example, I don't, look I, at Nike. Mm-hmm. Look at Nike shipping jobs overseas to the Philippines and Asia so they can pay individuals twenty five cents an hour or less. Do you know why they do so that? Make all their products. Do you know why they oh, do that? Why is that? Tell me why. Tell me why they do that. 
to make profit because, or because they're greedy to make to make more okay. profits because Aren't, they're greedy. It, well, here's the thing. Greed is and Gordon Gecko said it right. Greed oh my, is good. Come on. And let me tell you something right now with the with the, with with the corporate tax rate. And you guys, and you no, guys no, no, no. So no wait a minute now. No, wait a minute now. Let me answer you. Contradiction. Let me answer you. Let me answer you. The party is mm-hmm. very, very religious, and Jesus in the Bible speaks very against being, uh, uh, being wealthy. He says let, it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Let of me, heaven. let me, let me, let me, let me go ahead. Let me go ahead and answer your question. The United States of America, as of what last week, now is is the high uh, has the highest corporate tax of any nation in the world. The the nation that was leading was Japan. We have overtaken Japan. Be. And let me tell you something right now. That, that and that's how it is. I and mean, what's happening is, Ayn Rand's book Atlas Shrugged is coming to light. It's actually happening. Where those those of us. And I'm in the seven-figure range myself. Those of us who are, who, who are creating the wealth in this country are moving our wealth out of this country. We are we're shutting down. We are well, look at, look at going on strike. When he and was, what's, and when he no, no, no. Wait a minute now. And, and, and corporations, any tax breaks. I did great. Let, Everybody else did great. We had a surplus. And all right. Hold on. Hold on, we got a, we got another call on the line. Uh, caller, you just stay right there. We'll we'll, we'll continue with you. Uh, caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Do you have a response? Oh yes. Um, thanks a lot, um, Robert. My name is Jeff Collins from Chelsea, Massachusetts. Hey Jeff. And, uh, how are you doing? Number number one, um, what kind of jobs are we talking about? In, in other words, the, the the private sector. I'm, I'm not talking about government hack jobs. I'm not talking about cooked up jobs. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about homeland security. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about any kind of hackerama jobs. I'm talking about private sector jobs. Unemployment has gone up in the private sector world, and, and people don't make too much money in the private sector. I mean, uh, I, and, and I know what I'm talking about. I, I mean, I, I trained to be a plumber, and, 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 and if you were to work in a non-union plumbing shop, forget about it. You, you, you're it's very hard to make a living in a non-union plumbing shop or a non-union any shop for that matter. So, so, so what Obama is doing is, is Obama is basically feeding his cronies. He, he is he's doing what every Marxist and socialist has done: feed oh the cronies. And, and 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 in the, you know in Obama's world, there would be no Congress, there would be no Supreme Court justices. You know Obama what? Would but you know what, what? you guys need to understand is on this socialism bullcrap. You guys. Each and every, the two of you, do you have Social Security? What's that going to do with it? Social Security is a That's socialism. And you want to know what the, the Wait a minute. Hold, hold on. Let, let me. All the, all the let, Republicans considered socialism when President Obama bailed out the motor companies, General Motors, for example. And recently in his State of the Union address, when he stated to Congress and the Senate that GM was back on top as the world's largest auto producer. Because of the bailout, you could just look uh, in I, every a, one of the Republicans' eyes, and they just had this bitter look in their face. Oh, look, look GM's look, back on top as the look, top auto producer. That was socialism, I guess. Look, look, I'm I'm against all forms of socialism. Uh, you, you know what the definition of fascism means? It means it, it, it means it means the the engine of industry is private, but the government is a silent partner 
in in the operation of the business, a.k.a. Mussolini. This is not Republican and Democrat. This is freedom versus socialism heading into communism. Communism communism is defined as total government control over an industry. Fascism is only the intermediary step to communism. You don't want so, communism. And so I'm guessing you, want, you would take it. You would take it that Obamacare is communism. Oh, oh, oh Obama is a communist. He's, he's a Muslim too. No, I said but, Obamacare. Oh no, no, of course not. The, the guys, the, Obama's a con man. Is my hero? Who cares if he's a Muslim? I do. Who cares because, if he's a Muslim? Because because I don't want Sharia law in this country. The Constitution that you guys sit there. You got that? The I don't want Sharia law. I don't hold on. want America to be a third world toilet. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, one at, one at, one, hold on now, one at a time. Uh, let 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 uh, go ahead uh, three one nine, and then allow uh, six one seven to respond, please. Okay. First of all, the Constitution clearly states, in Obamacare's defense, that the government and Congress has the right to tax and impose obligations such as health care reform, aka, well, not necessarily aka. Or in this instance, Obamacare, they can impose that upon the nation for the welfare of this country. Am I okay, correct? allow six one allow, allow six one seven to respond. It does not matter. But secondly, it does not matter if he's a Muslim because the Constitution clearly states freedom of religion. This is not a Christian nation. This is not a Muslim nation. This is not a Buddhist nation. It's very diverse. And he All has right. the freedom protected by the Constitution. It's a constitutional right, and you guys point to the Constitution endlessly. It's a constitutional right for him to express whatever religion he pleases, whether he's Muslim, Christian, who cares? All right, six, uh, 319, allow 617 to respond, please. Okay. First off, I'll answer your point on the health care bill. Uh, number one, government doesn't have a place in the health care law because bureaucracy only only – only grows. It's like a big blob. It grows. Government government should be as small as possible because government is built upon taxpayer dollars. And also, um, in, in a spook, in a, you're interrupting me. In a, you're interrupting me in a true capitalist in a in a true capitalist society. I'm not talking about monopoly capitalism. I'm not talking about Rockefeller capitalism. I'm talking about in a true capitalist society. You would have your own business. I'd have my own business. Now let me ask you something. What kind of job do you work? Are you a school teacher? Are you are you do you work in the government sector at all? Because because you said you make, you make seven seven figures. If you if you work in the private industry, God bless you. If you own your own business, God bless you. But but if you work some hack job, forget it. And and as far as healthcare is concerned, government doesn't have a place in healthcare because because you see. Taxes fuel the government. All these socialist programs that 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 fund welfare is is coming out of my pocket as a taxpayer. I don't make seven figures a year. I live in the urban ghetto, and and I and, and I see what 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 illegal immigration does to a community. I see I see the toilet that America is becoming. I see I if. if if this keeps up, we will be a third world toilet where you will be riding a bicycle and, and the dollars and the hundred dollar bill will be worth a buck. And yes, I do. We were a Christian nation. Look at our notes. I mean, in, in fact, in fact, Jefferson fought the Muslims in Tripoli. 
I mean, listen, we were never a Muslim country. Is Islam and Sharia law? You won't have any freedom. All right, 617, allow uh, 319 to respond, please. Okay. Well, first of all, you're sadly mistaken on the U.S. history. Many of our founding fathers were not Christians. They were deists. That, that's not Thomas correct. That, that's not Thomas, correct, 319. Well, Thomas Jefferson clearly stated that Christianity is the most perverted system ever shown on man. He also said that he does not see one redeeming future in our superstition of Christianity. He also said that the Christian faith is a three-headed monster. Shall I go on? Yeah, please do. Go on. Please do. Benjamin Franklin stated, to see it by faith is to shut the eye for reason. Abraham Lincoln, for the first term in his presidency, was not a Christian. He stated, the Bible is not my book and Christianity is not my religion. That's a whole other debate. But we are not by any means a Christian nation. If you believe we are a Christian nation, then you really need to go back and look at the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, well, there, there. Hold on, hold on. Let, let me, let me, let, let me respond to that three one nine. In God we trust are, is on our notes. God is me- made reference to in the preamble and and, and the Constitution all throughout. Uh, and uh, if we're not a Christian nation, uh, I, I can't imagine where we would get the idea that we are with all this. Uh, in God we trust. And and God, 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 and 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 the Almighty, and and all the references to a higher higher being. Uh, if we're not a Christian nation, where did these guys come up with all this? I mean, why is it all? Why is it sprinkled throughout the Constitution uh, and and the preamble and 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 and, and the, the Declaration of Independence? There's there's every reference to God there. Um, you know, but but we're getting a little bit far field here. What I think is happening, and to your first point when you when you called in earlier, Barack Obama is systematically dismantling this country from what it once was. Earlier in the broadcast, when I first started, we talked about patriotism. We talked about Ronald Reagan and how he built this country up. He he gave most of us Americans a sense that America is. Am I going to be allowed to speak? Yes, yes, please. Just, just I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up yeah, so you can yeah, wrap it up. It off, but I, you cut it'll, me it'll, off. it'll, it'll just take a minute. I, I mean, sure. I, I want you to, I want you to, sp- to express yourself. I'll, I'll finish yeah, up. Yeah, I'll be, you, I'll be really, I'll be really quick. Just let me finish, please. Ronald Reagan built us up into a nation where we, a nation that we could be proud of. We're proud to be Americans. Barack Obama is doing just the opposite of that. I'm done. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, 319. Well, you, you right before I was going to make the point that you just made with the, the God and the Creator, I said, mm-hmm. with the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the preamble, it states every case for a God, but it does not say a Christian God. Okay. All but right. I, I, am, I, am, I am a defense attorney. I studied constitutional law as one of my courses in law school. So okay. I think that I know my constitutional law, and I'm not bragging or being arrogant by okay. any means. And there's someone in here is an attorney or a study law in depth. I think that I am uh All right. I, I understand you know what here. No, I understand I understand what I mean, and I appreciate that. I am a historian and I specialize in all phases of history, especially American history, and I think we I I I, I we're on even ground here. I'm can not I, a cons- I, excuse me, can I ask the the uh, yeah. other caller question please? Sure, a couple please. of questions. Uh, no, number one, first question 
uh, right out of the gate, what kind of lawyer are you? And oh, I said I'm a defense attorney. What? What kind of lawyer? Criminal defense attorney. Criminal defense. Okay. Well, uh, number number two, uh, uh, other question. Would you want to live in a communist society? This is the best country in the world. Would you want to live under Sharia law? Where, do not where, where we live in a communist society. We have an Islamic dictatorship that chops people's heads off. Hold, hold on. Hold, hold on, 617. Ask, ask a couple of questions and let him respond. Okay. My, my answer to that question is no. And this is not headed towards communist society. So what was your next question? Would you want to live under a Sharia law society? We, we have an Islamic re, re, religious caliphate that 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 that, that would chop your head off if, if if you say one word against it. Uh, Islamic communism, I call it, in the words of Michael Savage, Islamic it's, communism. It's obvious the government is not going to retaliate to that extent when you have people like what I called in for. My main purpose of calling in for was. Obviously, our government is not going to behead you for speaking out against it when you have people all over. Who I, I can't remember the, this uh, artist's name who spoke at a gun rally in Missouri. Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent sitting mm-hmm. here saying absolutely the most disrespectful thing. All right. You can well, say. hold on. Hold on. Let me respond to that. Let, let me respond to that for yeah. 319. I, I don't really mean to cut you off, but we're, we're running short of time, and I'd like to respond to what you just said. Ted Nugent did not threaten the president of the United States. He simply said he will either be dead or in jail. Hell, I could say the very same thing. Does that warrant a Secret Service visit from me too? Well, if, was, if, Barack Obama, if Barack Obama, I'll say it right here and now and okay. wait for my Secret Service visit. If Barack Obama is reelected president of the United States, I will either be dead or in jail. And I can tell you that. I, I can say that. I mean, because it could happen. I could die tomorrow. And certainly I could be in jail by tomorrow. So, but, I mean, how is that How is that disrespectful to the president, and how is it threatening him? When Louis Farrakhan said just three days ago, made reference, he made direct reference to Barack Hussein Obama when he said that some of our leaders started out good, and now they've turned out to be pretty bad, and some of our leaders are going to be killed sometime this coming week. Within the next two weeks, uh, 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 Louis Farrakhan said that just three days ago. And Louis, so, I mean, that that is a little bit more implicit than what uh, than what Ted said. Okay, you don't think that's threatening. But I'm a defense attorney. If I were to defend this man in this instance where he said he's either going to be dead or in jail, mm-hmm. it is implied. That's what the prosecution would make. Okay. All right, it's in plot. How can you tell what's in a man? How can you tell what's in a man's mind? Let me say this. I'll say this to you, three one nine. If you go to work tomorrow, no, no, no. If you go to work, if you go to work tomorrow and you set foot in your office tomorrow morning, I am going to be either dead or in jail. Does that mean I'm threatening you? When I just said that. That's a whole other instance that you're taking it into. It's con- it's complete different context right there. But what, what is, context did – I mean, what, okay, well, what con- – Louis Farrakhan has yet to receive his – at a Louis- gun rally, if I'm correct. Yeah, the NRA. To a fired up 
yeah, to, he's speaking to a fired up conservative audience who loves mm-hmm. their who loves their guns. Right, and and, and Louis Farrakhan and and Louis Farrakhan is standing in front of a whole bunch of black folks who who are known to carry black folks are known to carry guns in Chicago where I'm from, and he has admitted to being directly or rather indirectly responsible for the murder assassination of Malcolm X, stating that certain leaders are going to be murdered, killed, assassinated within the next two weeks. He has yet to receive any Secret Service visit, to my knowledge. And I have control over that? I, I haven't... No, I'm simply making an, making an, um, making a comparison I'm not, between... I'm not that, you, that this man should not okay. have a Secret Service visit. Okay. So I don't know... If well, you try to make a case that that's more significant than, than the Ted Nugent case, it I is. would agree with that. Okay, so what's your point? Well, that's what's it. Point? That, that's it. I believe that uh, if if we're going to take what Ted Nugent said, then we should take what I say, what anybody says as a threat to the president if we're so inclined to read into what a, what what's in a person's mind. You know, President, president Obama is – he has just he's he's an abject failure and i yeah. and and rush limbaugh said it right we hope that he fails we hope and, that he fails because what he, what he wants to do is pretty much dismantle this country and who would want him to succeed in doing that but what is so absurd is that you guys oh uh, let me uh, let me chime in on this which is which is which is which is i recommend i recommend you uh, hold on hold on hold on hold on the program's almost over let me program's almost over 319 let it let him let him respond okay okay let me respond uh number one materials um i i recommend you listen to abby lipkin I mean, that's a man who knows what he's talking about. His pen name is Victor Mordecai. He wrote a book, Is Fanatical Islam a Global Threat? Obama is a real threat. You probably live in the suburbs. You probably work for the ACLU or some communist pinko organization. And and, and I'm telling you something. When you know what hits the fan, and when, when you see the rioting and, the, and, the fall, and this country falling apart and so forth, you're going to remember this, that, All right. that, that, that common sense conservatives were correct. All right. Let, yes. Okay. Let uh, let three one nine get the last word, okay. and then we're out of here. I'm, and I'm out of here too. That's right. absolutely absurd about the far right and, and Rush Limbaugh and, and the entire far right conservatives. It, it, you guys are completely set on that. President All Obama right. is set out to completely sabotage America with no good intentions. That is just what. All right. It. Well, well. Thank you, three one nine. I appreciate it. It happened with Bill Clinton. Right. We walked out with the fear plus. We walked I pre- out. With All right. All right, I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate you calling in. I understand. I mean, I appreciate you calling in and joining the discussion. Thank you very much. Um, thank everybody, all my callers, all Billy, uh, everybody who called in. Try not to get worried. We're out. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. What a great show with great callers. All right, we out. Everything's all right. Yes, everything's fine. And we want you to sleep well tonight Let the world turn without you tonight If we try, we'll get by So forget all about us tonight Sleep and I shall soothe you Calm you and anoint you For your hot forehead Then you feel everything Everything's alright, yes, everything's fine 
and it's cool and the ointment sweet for the fire in your head and feet. Close your eyes, close your eyes and relax. Think of nothing tonight. Hey, woman, you find ointment brand new and expensive. Should happen safe for the poor. Why has it been wasted? We could have raised maybe 300 silver pieces or more. People who are hungry, people who are starving, they matter more than your feet and hands. To get worried, try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's all right? Yes, everything's all right. Yes. Surely you're not saying we have the resources to save the poor from their lot. There will be poor always, pathetically struggling. Look at the good things you've got. Think while you still have me move, while you still see me. You'll be lost and you'll be sorry when I'm gone. Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you and anoint you. Work on your hot forehead. Then you feel everything's all right. Yes, everything's fine. And it's cool and the ointment sweet for the fire in your head. 